When a young man lays down for a nap and wakes up with a severe pain in a delicate part of the body, he's forced to ask himself, is this the work of aliens or just random perverts? And then we take a look at the conspiracy theory that will enrage druids the world around. Is it possible that Stonehenge was built in the 1950s? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone give it up for our newest Patreon supporter, Natalie Peterson. Woo, yeah, come on in, Natalie. Come on into Dead Rabbit Command. I'm so happy to have you here. Natalie, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Trust me, I do. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. I got a lot of new Patreons over my summer break, and Natalie is one of them. I got to be honest, Natalie, you dodged a bullet. You may think you're in an episode where a guy keeps waking up with anus pain. That's that's bad luck for being a new Patreon. There is an episode <laughs> There's an episode coming up. I don't know if it's this week or next week, but whatever Patreon has to be part of that episode, their name will live on in infamy. So, uh don't don't look so glum that you're in this one. I know you're like, "What? I hate I hate Stonehenge." So that story is actually really interesting. But before we get to the really interesting story, Natalie, I'm going to toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command, and we're going to glide all the way out to some dude's house. We're going to this guy's house online. He goes by the handle Individual Targeted. So, yeah, this is a gang-stalking story. This is a gang-stalking story through and through. But the question is, who's gang-stalking this guy? You're like, Jason, nobody. These people are insane. That's the point. No one's gang-stalking them. Yeah, but this guy has an interesting spin on this mental illness. He doesn't know if he's being gang-stalked by humans or by our not-so-friendly visitors from above. We're going to walk into this dude's house. We're, we're the gang-stalkers. We've uttered ourselves hello. We're going to walk in this dude's house, and we're going to go ahead and call this guy Joey. I don't know his real name. If that's your, if that's your real name, it was just the guess. It's freaking him out right now. Individual targeted posts a lot on these gang-stalking subreddits. But we're sitting around in this dude's house, and we're seeing him sleep. He's taking a little nap on his couch. Now, that's great. I love napping. I actually just woke up from a nap to record this episode. Napping might be one of my favorite pastimes I do throughout the day. I love them. But I love naps because they're refreshing. They're like, you know, take an hour-long nap. They're refreshing. I feel relaxed when I get up. I have, usually have some cool dreams. Um, this is, his, this, is, this is how his naps go. This is the title of his post on this subreddit. Quote, does anyone else have vague nightmares of being abused and then wake up with anal pain? This is the very first line of his post. I am paranoid that someone is intruding into my apartment, drugging me and abusing me whenever I take a short nap. Now, a man's home is his castle, right? You have the right to be safe. Everyone has the right to be safe wherever they're at. That's true. I'm not victim-blaming this guy. 
I just want to know how many short naps in a row would you have to take? I know the answer for me would be one, maybe two, to find out there's a correlation. How many short naps would you have to take and then wake up with anal pain before you go, hmm, I really, really like short naps, but the anal pain's kind of a downside. I would just stop. The first thing, I here's what I would do in this situation. If I woke up from a nap, my butthole hurt. I would assume it was a coincidence the very first time. I'm assuming this guy lives alone, like I live alone. The first time I would wake up and I had severe anal pain, I want to put two and two together. If it happened again, the next day I'm taking another short nap and I wake up, because he says this pain lasts for 30 minutes. It's not like you woke up and you go, ow, like maybe a spider bit you on the butthole. This is a lingering pain. He's like, oh, time to watch Big Bang Theory, and he's just standing up. He doesn't even want to sit down in the chair. You wake up from a nap, and for the next 30 minutes, your anus hurts. That If that happened to me twice, I would go to the doctor. I would stop <laughs> stop taking short naps. He doesn't say this happens at night during long nights of sleep. I would stop taking naps if it happened twice, because now there's a correlation. Every time I take a short nap, my butthole hurts. I would go to the doctor. That would be my first thing. My butthole hurts. I would have it checked out, right? Maybe I got like some giant pinworm infection or maybe, I don't know, there's a gerbil living in there and he only he only moves when I'm sleeping. I don't know. How many times did you, no matter how much I love short naps, if my butthole hurt when I woke, and I, I to be fair, any part of my body hurt after I woke up from taking a short nap over and over again. I'd stop taking short naps, but this guy must really love the naps. Must really, really love the naps. Now, here's the other thing, though. Let's say you go to the doctor, and the doctor goes, Jason, I can't tell why your butthole hurts. As I'm sleeping as I'm sleeping in the doctor's office, I'm like, just watch me. Watch me and see what happens. He, he does that. He doesn't do it with the doctor present. He begins setting video cameras up everywhere. Because what he's worked... I would not work under the assumption that another person was doing that to me. I, would not, I wouldn't even think that. If I'm living alone, I wouldn't think someone was breaking into my house, putting their finger up my butthole and then leaving, and me not knowing. that That's my working assumption. But he goes, I put cameras up everywhere, because I wanted to videotape the phenomenon. I wanted to be able to have a hidden camera that would show someone, or will learn very quickly, something sneaking into my... Natalie's gone. <laughs> Natalie's totally just left. She's waiting for the next story. She's already at Stonehenge with the camera, taking pictures, doing the whole tourist thing. Um, he thinks someone or something is assaulting his butthole while he's sleeping now he sets these video cameras okay cool right because now we can see what's going on is there like a guy dressed up as a burglar like from the 1950s with like the striped shirt and the little beanie coming in and he's like (laughs) or are you doing it like that's also an option too what if you're such a deep sleeper you're putting your own finger up your butthole i don't know well here's the thing according to him i wish he would show his Not that I want proof of it, just a three-hour video of this guy napping and then him scratching his butthole at the end. He says that right when... Well, he doesn't know exactly when this happens, but he goes, I'll record myself sleeping, and then in the middle of it, the footage will be distorted or cut. Like someone shut the camera off, went and played with his anus, and then turned the camera back on. Which is very polite of them to actually turn the camera back on, if you think about it. I would have just left it off. I would never engage in this behavior to begin with, let me just say that. But he says that the footage is always missing. So now, this is where this almost becomes a... This is a mental illness, right? The reality is warping. Here's the thing. He's either mentally ill, he's making it up, he's some sort of troll... 
or he's being visited by humans or aliens. And in this story, I'm kind of leaning, as much as I'm a believer in the paranormal, I'm kind of leaning towards mental illness or he's making this up. But he says that the video isn't exist. And I'm wondering, like, I'm always intrigued by mental illness, right? If I recorded eight hours of me sleeping, first off, super boring, right? But secondly, like, I'm watching it, and if I saw, like, a, if I saw something go wrong with the film, would I immediately assume someone had edited it out? I don't think I would. And I would think someone who is mentally ill, they, there may not even be a break in the film. It may be three hours of them sleeping, but they go, oh, did you see that moth that flew by and then it wasn't there anymore? Someone must, like, do you hallucinate the, or does he see small details? And then he figures it was edited out or or what? I don't know. But Individual Targeted says someone's messing with the videotape so I can't even prove that people are putting their finger up my butthole. Now, there's a bunch of, obviously, gang stalking is not an isolated event. There's a bunch of other gang stalkers on the subreddit and they're talking about it. And there's this guy, he goes by the name ErrorZealousIdea532 and he has an answer for this. He says it's humans. Arizelis goes, I actually got three possible theories that could be what's going on. One, gang stalkers are just perverts in general. They love to do perverted stuff. So yeah, they're watching you sleep and they wait for you to fall asleep and they're probably pumping some sort of gas into your house to keep you asleep. And then they're putting stuff up your butthole while you're asleep because they're perverts. Because they're perverts. Two, he says they do all that stuff, but the reason why they stick stuff up your butthole isn't because isn't because they're perverts. It's because they find it funny. And then three, the other the other possible scenario, which is the least unlikely, right? They're all they're all pretty unlikely. But the third one is is that the gang stalkers wait to see you fall asleep, and then they pump gas in your house to keep you to sleep, and they sneak in and they do stuff with your butthole. So then they can find people who are against anal sex and show them photos of them doing stuff with your butthole and saying, don't you hate this guy? You, I, I, I heard around town, you don't like anal sex. And the neighbor's like, yeah, I hate anal sex. And then the gang stalker goes, look at this picture of your neighbor with eight toothbrushes up his butthole. We were trying to go for nine, but someone forgot their toothbrush at home. Isn't that disgusting? Look at the look at this photo of him with all this stuff up his butt. And then that makes your neighbors hate you. And maybe they become gang stalkers as well. I find that very it's, it's bizarre as this whole thing sounds. The fact that an adult would type that out in all seriousness and say they find people who hate anal sex to show photos of them putting stuff in your butt to make them hate you. If I hated anal sex, like if I hated anal sex so much I wanted to beat up people who engaged in it, and a stranger came to me, a stranger came to me with photos of my neighbor's butthole, why, why, why is the conversation even continuing? You figure I'm going to pummel that guy too. If someone's like, hey, I heard you hated human butts. Look at these pictures of what you, that's not going to go well, but in... This world, and not our world, the real world, but in this weird, fictional, mental weirdness world, that's a thought that you would feel comfortable putting out on the internet and people going, yeah, you're right. I could totally see people who hate anal sex joining in your crusade of more anal sex. It doesn't make any sense. So that in and of itself, individual targeted stories, 
was just bizarre. I read that. And, and on one hand, you know, obviously you feel kind of bad for the guy, right? He can't get a good nap in. He wakes up. There's something in his butthole. Hey, he never wakes up. There's anything in his butthole. His butthole just hurts. And I don't think he really knows how to go about it. Other than to post about it online. And then we have this. This is where you're like, okay, this guy's just off the rocker. He posts this and he says that, um, quote, this is the this is his other post we have, quote, an invisible and non-material person seems to be living in my apartment. Now, that's, that's totally fine, right? That's a ghost. That's normally what we call those guys. Ghosts, right? I, I believe that a ghost can be walking around in your house. But this is where you start to see, again, like, mental illness. Because even if someone, even if you don't believe in ghosts, right? There's a lot of people who don't believe in ghosts. Uh, their friends believe in ghosts and they talk about when when their mother died, they saw her spirit or they dreamt about a close relative. And you don't go, that person's obviously mentally ill, right? If someone goes, yeah, when I was 15, I was walking by a spooky graveyard and I thought I saw a ghost. Or even when I was 38, <laughs> today, I just turned 38, happy birthday to me. And you were walking by a graveyard and saw a spooky ghost. I think even your friends who don't believe in ghosts won't think you're mentally ill. But it's it's the combination of all this stuff, right? It's the previous post about the butthole. It's this one, an invisible non-material person seems to be living in my apartment. Fine, it's a ghost. But then they start saying that this is where the paranoia kicks in. Despite the fact that there's someone living in their house that they can't see. He said, my upstairs neighbor, so apartments, I'm assuming. My upstairs neighbor seems to mimic my location 24 hours a day. So like if I'm in the living room, my upstairs neighbor's in the living room. And then at nighttime, when it's time to go to bed, we both go into the bedroom at the same time. And then sometimes when I'm in the bathroom, I can hear him in the bathroom. So that's that gang stalking thing, right? Gang stalking is meant to drive you insane by making you look insane, but that's paranoia. And then just to cap this all off, right? We're going to wrap it up like this. This poor guy, he says that like the delivery man says that he thinks a woman and a dog live there. And I'm like, what? Why is he talking? First off, the delivery man might be in on it. He might be a gang stalker. He knows where he lives. He said, yeah, I think there's someone living in my house that I can't see. And the delivery man has said multiple times that he thought there was a woman and a dog in my house. But there's no woman or dog in my house. Weird, right? And then, but that's not even the, the that's not even the, the weirdest part. Again, maybe ghosts, right? And then to wrap all this up, the combination of these last two statements is really telling it makes me think, one, he either has a terrible doctor, or two, he's being more honest online than he is with his doctor. Because this is this is how he wraps up his post. He thinks that the invisible person's walking around his house. Quote, I have seen psychiatrists, so plural, right? More than one. I've seen psychiatrists, and they don't think I need any medication. Next sentence. My leading hypotheses are that either I'm living with some sort of dimensionally liminal being, or my neighbors are somehow temporarily capturing my consciousness in another vessel for some time as I sleep. Unquote. There's not a psychiatrist in the world. If you if you walked into an office, unless they're sitting there playing Candy Crush on their phone. If you walked into their office, if you said, I think there's a ghost in my house, they won't even blink. That's such a common thought. But if you started talking about your neighbors were taking your consciousness while you were sleeping, if you mentioned setting up video cameras all around your house to capture someone sticking stuff up your butt, 
and they still don't prescribe you anything or to do what a therapy at the very least, right? They don't have to medicate you, but something that's, I mean, as, as someone who's never taken any psychiatry classes, that seems like malpractice, especially when they're roping their neighbors into it. I got a story coming up that you guys probably saw on the news where gang stalking is becoming extremely violent, extremely fast. I'll cover that one later in this week. Or maybe next week. I don't want to do too much gang stalking stuff. I mean, again, like going back to the whole camera stuff, the, just the, the, the conspiracy these people can whip up. Earlier, like throughout these posts in response and stuff like that, if I remember correctly, Joey was saying, I put these hidden cameras up and the footage is edited. The footage is edited. It doesn't actually show the stuff they're putting in my butthole. And then people are saying, well, yeah, that's because the gang stalkers know where you put the cameras. Now you have to hide even more cameras without them knowing. So no, it, that's not going to work either, right? Because it just it doesn't make any sense. How do you hide a camera in a place where people are constantly watching you? And the hidden cameras you have now, they already know where they're at and that. But it's just this delusion keeps feeding in on each other. And if this dude went to a psychiatrist and said, hey, they just played this first half of this podcast, they would get the help they needed. I don't think they're being honest. I think that someone is this dude's neighbor. Someone is living upstairs from this guy. And imagine the, knowing that the guy below you thinks that you are part of a plot to put stuff in his anus while he's sleeping. Imagine that's going on. You have no idea. You're just watching sitcoms, eating pizza pockets. And the next thing you know, this dude comes barreling through your door with a crowbar. Beat you to death. I mean, I guess, that, I guess that's... It went from zero to 60 real quick. But I have a story coming up. Maybe we'll do it Friday because I've talked about it a couple of times. So. What happens when gang-stalking conspiracy theories go bad? It was big news. Multiple people died. And it happened like two weeks ago. And I imagine it's only going to be getting worse because of conspiracy theories like this. But that is not the dour ending. I thought I was going to end on that story. Natalie, would you please come back and pick us up out of this neighborhood? We're leaving behind this apartment complex. Just as the police sirens are showing up, we didn't see anything. We're not going to be witnesses in any trial. You're going to take us all the way out to Stonehenge. <laughs> Specifically, we're headed out to the Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England. There's a lot, a lot of grass, a lot of like just like rolling hills. Probably some chipmunks just chilling there, catching a little tan, eating some. I guess there are no nuts. I guess there's no trees around that I can see in any of these photos. But you guys know Stonehenge. It's a very, very famous series of rocks. It's probably the, the probably the most basic way I can put it. It was featured in Transformers Five: The Last Night. Stonehenge. And we're walking around Stonehenge. It's these giant rocks. We're like looking at them and stuff like that, taking pictures. I'm like trying to push one over. <laughs> like, Jason, no, no, stop it. I'm like, no, I can do it. I'm a big boy. This was a conspiracy theory that I just, I was like scrolling through stuff and I saw a single sentence and I go, huh? And I dug. I started digging around on the internet and this one is true. Now, with a caveat, in the introduction I said, was Stonehenge built in 1954? Or was Stonehenge built in the 50s, is what I said. That is a conspiracy theory that's been going around. It started off a long time ago. I think it was like a Cold War era conspiracy theory. Basically, it was from Russia. And they were saying, look, at Britain says that they're this 
race their... They think that they're advanced civilization they can stack rocks up. Uh, they think that they're from these olden times that it was actually built in 1954. There's these series of photos of cranes moving around the rocks of Stonehenge. Those photos are real. Totally real. This is a, this is a really cool story. Stonehenge is not Stonehenge. Now, while it was not built in 1954, we know it wasn't built in 1954, the conspiracy theory is half true. Let's take a look at this. Back in 3000 BC is when Stonehenge was first created, but it wasn't the stones. In 3000 BC, it was basically a giant circular ditch. Then over time, over the course of hundreds of years, they start putting up these wooden monuments. In 2500 BC, that's when the first stones were set up, and that's really when it started to become known as what we know as Stonehenge. So still a monument that at this point is, what, 4,500 years old. But there was an article written for the magazine The New Scientist by Emma Young, and it talks about how, quote, virtually every stone was re-erected, straightened, or embedded in concrete between 1901 and 1964. There's been a lot of reconstruction work on this thing, and they straight up moved rocks. Rocks are in positions they're not supposed to be. These slabs are in positions that they were not in. We can look at diagrams from the 1700s. And then we look at photos from today, and it is not the same. These huge rocks, these monuments, were moved around, and most of them were moved around in the 1920s. Generally speaking, that's considered too much of a restoration. Is the, There's a quote that goes around a lot when you look into this. It says... Quote, um, this is also from the New Scientist article, but I found this a lot of places online. It says, quote, The 1920s restoration was a most vigorous, said Christopher Chippendale of the Cambridge University Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology. Going back to quoting Christopher here, The work in the 1920s under Colonel William Crawley is a sad story. Unquote. Now, what's really interesting is I, I actually spent a lot of time looking to see what they meant by a sad story. What did this mean? Where's this coming from? And there is no document that I could find that says these are all of the things that Colonel William Crawley did. Zero. It, it doesn't exist. There's not a list. I go, oh, it's a sad story. Then they must say, like, he moved this rock five meters, and this one should have been this way, but nothing. Now, you could just say, what's the big deal, right? It's a bunch of rocks in the middle of nowhere. Like, who cares if they move one five feet and they move this one? Well, the thing, here's my thing about Stonehenge. I always heard, this was kind of the idea, some druids built it, which is not true. There's all of the stuff that I thought I knew about Stonehenge just is not true, or it's just theories. Nobody knows for sure, but it was created by these druids. It was created by this early culture. That part's true. I mean, the ditches and the rocks begin showing up earlier, you know, in the BCs, but it was supposed to mark the celestial moments in the sky. You could sit there and it would line up perfectly to the equinox. Everything will line up perfectly if you have a crane. Everything. Everything could line up perfectly to whatever theory you wanted to if you moved rocks, right? It's so weird to me. 
it's so weird to me that I I don't even remember. It might have been on the X board. It might have been on Reddit. I don't remember where someone just wrote out the sentence. You do know that Stonehenge isn't in its original position. And I go, huh? I never heard of that before. And then you go, oh, I'm sure they restored some stuff. They straight up moved structures. And you can look at drawings from the 1700s versus photos from today. The play, Some of them are very recognizable. You see they're there. Other ones are completely moved or absent. And what's interesting, too, is that's we can look at those drawings from the 1700s. Who knows what it looked like in the 1500s or, the, or, or 1000 A.D.? The Stonehenge you go to today is not the Stonehenge that was built in 3000 BC. All of this stuff about there's no way, how did they move these boulders? How did they do this? How did they do that? Well, we've moved, we've adjusted it so much it's hard to even analyze any of that stuff. Right? Yeah, they did get the rocks to build Stonehenge from really really far away. But the rocks you go see now at Stonehenge, guess what? They're part concrete. So many people were visiting Stonehenge and taking home souvenirs, i.e. they were chipping pieces of the rock off to take home with them, that part of the restoration was they had to fix it. I mean, there's a giant chunk, there's a photo of like a giant chunk missing off of one of the rocks, and they just filled it with concrete. So it looks nice. I mean, it's also very safe. You don't want a chipped off rock sitting there. And here's the thing. You have to do restoration on sites like this. I totally get that. But what's super interesting is this article in New Scientist, it was called Concrete Evidence. It was published back in 2001, and in it, they are talking about... In the 1960s, the World Her- or the English Heritage Foundation, right? The people who were in charge of maintaining... Stonehenge, they put out a brochure, basically like a tour guide book. And there was a debate back then. They go, should we list, like, should we explain everything that's done and how we've done all these restoration projects over the years? And the vote was, no, we're not going to include in this book explaining the history of Stonehenge anything we've done about it. We're not going to talk about that. And it reminds me of that episode I did a long time ago called The St. Bernard Conspiracy. I'll put it in the show notes, but basically, the St. Bernard you see today is not the original St. Bernards that were being used to rescue people in the mountains. And there was a very famous St. Bernard dog who rescued tons of people. I forgot his name, but I have a tattooed on my back. He was my favorite dog ever, but I can't see my back right now. He was a famous dog. He was taking people out of the mountains like we know St. Bernards stereotypically do in Bugs Bunny cartoons. And when he died... They stuffed him and they put him in the monastery, St. Bernard's Monastery. Well, over the years, over the centuries, really, people would go there and they would visit the monastery. It's, I think it's like a brewery as well. And they would see this stuffed image of this St. Bernard dog and people would complain. That's not what a St. Bernard looks like. It's not what they look like because over time they stopped breeding them to look like that because they stopped doing rescue dogs. So they made them very big and hardy. Because they weren't running through snow. You can't have a dog that big would just sink through the snow. So people were coming and seeing the first generation of St. Bernard's. But now we're on generation two. Now we're on these giant guys. The Beethovens of the world. So what they did. And the monks got so. This is true. What The monks got so tired of answering these questions. Well you know St. Bernard's used to look like this. And people being disappointed. They took this dog's stuffed body. Broke its bones. And made it look like a modern day St. Bernard. 
they reformed his carcass so it would appease the tourists. So now if you showed up and you saw it, you'd be like, oh, St. Bernard, just like he was back in the day. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's 100% true. That happened. And this is what that reminded me of. The, the changes could have been small, right? I understand if a slab is tipped over or slabs about to get tipped over, you're going to reinforce it. I don't have any problem with pouring concrete. I don't have any problem with any of that stuff. I, I'm, I'm pro saving people's lives from being squished. What is interesting is they will not tell us exactly what was done. We have a series of photos, and they'll say, we moved this, and we did that, and we erected that. The thing about the concrete being poured, I had to find that as well. Even in the... Even in... Emma's article, uh, Concrete Evidence, she did not have the part about the concrete. Some of the rocks are modern stone because they've worn down so much. And just to show that things never change. I, I thought this was so fascinating. We're going to wrap it up like this. Just to show that things never change. When this construction was being done back in 1920, the Salisbury Times back in 1920 when they were doing this reconstruction, it wasn't the first time they were doing it either. When they were doing this reconstruction in the 1920s, the Salisbury Times covered it and they gave the reader a very important message. If you have any questions about this process that's going on, shut up. Let me read you this quote. I've actually been trying to read the exact quote for like six minutes now. It's really hard. It's a pretty dense quote, just grammatically. It's in a newspaper in the 1920s. They wrote like a bunch of weirdos. But what it said, it's so interesting. This quote says... Listen, there was reconstruction 19 years ago, and they did it to save this giant stone slab. It would have fallen over like the one next to it, and it would have just smashed in half. So this restoration work is good. And then it goes on to say, if you don't agree with this restoration work, you're a bigot. They actually use that word twice. They say, listen, you don't need to be a, quote, bigoted conservative to feel that the first time you're hearing this, see a little bit of mistrust that they're reorganizing stuff. That's the first time they use bigot. And then they go, listen, but if you've been to Stonehenge and you see that the work that they're doing, you would have to be a bigot. I use the word again. You would have to be a bigot to not agree with them. And they say it would be, quote, very bigoted indeed to deny that it is really necessary and is being done reverently and carefully with a determination neither to add nor subtract anything, unquote. Don't question the narrative. If you do question the narrative, you're a bigot. That's nuts. That's insane. If you walk down there and you see people moving around Stonehenge and you go, well, that's weird. I thought it was like that yesterday. You're a bigot. That's insane. If you question what you're looking at with your own eyes, you're a bigot. You don't want to be a bigot, do you? Well, then, this is needed. And we do not have, we don't have access to it. Someone has access to it, but we do not have access to all of the changes that were being made back then. But if you saw the change being made with your own eyes, you were there and you questioned it, you were a bigot. Don't ask questions. The government knows what it's doing. And here we are a hundred years later, and I can't even find this stuff online of what was actually moved. I'm sure Stonehenge as a sacred site meant a lot to the people who initially constructed it. And I'm sure throughout the ages, you had other people in the area who also 
found some sort of solace in this structure, whether it be a series of ditches, whether it be a monument of stone or even just wood, whether it was a place where people gathered to talk or a place people came to steady the glories of the universe. I'm sure all of these people throughout time found their own peace at Stonehenge. But their Stonehenges are not the Stonehenge that stands today. It's a tourist trap. It's a tourist. You know what I mean? Like, that's so insane. This is one of those things that I never once thought of. And now it's kind of tarnished the memory of Stonehenge. And you know what's so funny is if they had put this in their guidebook in the 1960s, people would have been like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Restoration. That makes sense. It's the fact. It's the it's this is always the rule in journalism. It's not the crime. It's the cover up. That gets you in trouble doing this restoration. We understand. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. What did they do at Stonehenge? And you can't tell me that it's lined up to meet the Equinox because you lined it up to meet the Equinox. And maybe you didn't. Maybe it was always lined up to the Equinox, but I don't know that because you won't tell me what you moved. And by me just asking the question, I'm a bigot? I'm a bigot? I'm questioning the government? Because I want to know. It's so. This is so weird. This is one of those conspiracy theories that I love kind of combing through because it was just a, someone typed this out online. Some anonymous person said, hey, you know, Stonehenge is different than it used to be. And it led me down this rabbit hole. And that's absolutely true. The Russians got it wrong. It wasn't built in 1954. It went through one of a series of maintenances. And while that is an intriguing conspiracy theory that can easily be shot down, this one can't. Stonehenge is not the same. It hasn't been the same for over a hundred years. And really for thousands of years it changed and changed. But those were that's when it was served a different function. Now it is a tourist trap. Absolutely insane. I just ran across a little sentence online and it led me into this conspiracy theory. Not a conspiracy theory. It's true. They changed it. And why are they hiding the information from us? Stonehenge is not Stonehenge. It's never been Stonehenge in any of our lives. So from the modern-day druid who goes out there to someone trying to realign their New Age chakras to just the tourist who wants to go and take pictures and buy a coffee mug. I've been to Stonehenge. It's a lie. It's a, bla it's a blatant lie. And if you say it's a lie, you're a bigot. Don't question the narrative, even when you see it changing right in front of you. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.